uh, producer of this program alerts me that he has been trying to get this guest on for a long time. Well, months and months and months. Uh, allegedly, uh, since uh, since the guy took the job, like the next day. Well, that was uh, what no, late, no, late November of last year, right? I can't remember. It feels well, like for, that's uh, the, the hockey season was so darn long, Bob. Too long. Uh, it feels like forever. I, I when when um, when you mentioned that it was nine or in nine or ten months ago that he got hired, I was shocked. It feels like he's been there for years already. <laughs> Well, you've been hanging around the producer too much. Yeah, tell me about uh, it. Well, we—I—I I, I never lose an argument, though. Thank you. The audience is completely confused. I'm a little confused myself. Our guest today, Jeff Gordon, who's the um, executive vice president of the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Hold on, a Boston guy, a Boston guy. Well, r- running the Montreal Canadiens, Melrose, Massachusetts. To be honest, that's Boston. Come on. You'll yeah, hear know. his voice. Well, no, it's it it is um it's a very curious change, and um, we're going to talk about I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that and um just the whole nature of an American guy at the top of the food right. chain for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, you don't have anything I, against Americans working, do you? No, I, I am one, but oh, you know there was there was a time where an anglophone. Um, running the Montreal Canadiens was challenging, if not contemptuous. Listen, what you had to do, if you were, if you were an Anglo running Canadians, you know what you had to do to solve. Well, learn to speak French first. No, win, just win, baby. Well, I think everybody who runs the Montreal Canadiens is kind of expected to win. Uh, In any event, Jeff Gordon will join us after these messages. McCown Shannon back uh, with you. Um, our guest today has been a uh, general manager in the National Hockey League for uh, an extended period of time. He was with the Rangers for, I think, six seasons and uh, is now the executive vice president of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Jeff Gordon is with us. Um, what's it like for a um, Melrose, Massachusetts kid to wind up in, uh, in Montreal, a predominantly French-speaking environment, who have... Um, had very few American executives in their history. What's it like? Well, it's certainly different from uh, from where I've been, you know, being with the Bruins and, and the Rangers. But, uh, you know, the, the fans are unbelievable. They, they love their hockey. And, uh, you know, the, the city of Montreal is, is, uh, has been great to me and my family. So, so far, so good. Do you have to commit to... I'm sure you will over time, but did you, do you have to make any kind of commitment to, to learn to speak French? Uh, well, I am trying to learn. I've, I've been taking my lessons, uh, certainly since the uh, free agency ended the other day, I've picked it up a little bit, but uh, like I told him my, at my press conference, it's a little like my golf game. I've been working on that forever and I still <laughs> stink. Right. So, uh, we'll hope for the best, but, uh, you know, I, I think that more than anything, it seems to me like Montreal fans just uh, want want me to probably try and see if I can pick it up and 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 do my best with it. So that's what I'm going to do. When you think of working for the Boston Bruins, you know, been there since the 20s. The Rangers been there since the 20s. Canadians have been there since the 1910s. Um, can you measure? Um, the the impact of such great franchises and the fact that you've been able to work for three of them? 
Um, it is crazy, and I, I guess I start to feel old when you when you talk like that. You know, to be with three different teams, and I, you know, I was lucky enough to be with the Bruins for like almost fifteen years, and the same with the Rangers. So, um, yeah, it's special. Uh, it's certainly when uh, you know when you're with your team and you go to a city and people, uh, the respect you get from working with our original six teams, you can feel it. Um, you know, you can feel the fan level, uh, the fan bases in each city. Uh, are pretty special and uh, there's a lot of history there and people have been around a long time and you know there's no there's no fool in the fans in, in each market so I, I think that's a that's a pretty common between all three that, that, actually that's a, a really good point when you think about um, what you have had to go through since you took the job pandemic team performance um, the knowledge of this fan base is so deep they actually understand what you're going through. And and it actually, it, could it not be an advantage to you? Well, I think so. Uh, there's there's very few people you run into in Montreal that uh, that uh, don't know hockey, don't know what's going on, don't know, you know, about the first pick and what it means and, and uh, doesn't know about our team and, and some of the things we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, the impact of Marty, there's – you know, I, I don't go too many places in Montreal where people don't want to talk about what is current with the Montreal Canadiens. So you could walk down, you could walk down the street uh, in New York, with, uh, and three out of ten guys would say, "Hey, Jeff Gordon, New York Rangers, let's go Rangers." Yes, it's ten out of ten in Montreal, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, you know, when we hired Kent uh, Hughes, he had his press conference, and then we flew to Vegas to meet the team, and. We were in the Montreal airport. We had to get COVID tested and it was 11 out of 10 people recognized the two of us. And then we landed, we had a connection through Detroit and we're walking through and I t- looked at Ken, I go, there's not one single person that knows who we are here. So, <laughs> so. You, uh, you, you touched on the, you, you touched on the draft pick, the first overall, um, you raised some eyebrows on two fronts. A, the fact that you took Slavskovsky. The second thing is you did a great job of keeping it a secret. Yeah. Uh, um, can you can you run through the process of of between uh, what 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 you got to the point and the decision you did not to take Shane? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I, I think the fact that it was it was close. You know, there's there's uh, several people at the top that uh, you could argue could have gone first, and in some teams' mind, could have taken them first. So that helped keep it a secret. Um, you know, if it's Connor McDavid. Um, and for five years, we knew it was going to be Connor McDavid. It's pretty hard to keep a secret, right? So, um, but you know, we had talked to our scouts a long time, and and we met right up to the day of the draft, discussing, debating. So, it was easy to keep that uh, in house and really not talk to the team and say, "All right, this is what we're doing until that morning." So that was that was the that was probably the easy part. I'm glad that the first time that anyone really knew what we were doing was when Kent you know, announce the name. I, th- I think that uh, it always goes better for the draft and made it more exciting. Um, as far as Slavkovsky is, is just a player that, uh, you know, we just felt like is uh, very difficult to find, you know, that size, that power, that skating. And, uh, you know, when we looked at him, we, we thought, yeah, he's a big man, but there's, uh, when you look at his face, he looks like he's 16. So there's room to grow there. So it was, uh, you know, we all had gone to the world championships and saw that what he was able to do after the Olympics. So uh, it became uh, a person that we really felt like we had to have. 
Shane Wright was a player that um, thought he was going to the Montreal Canadiens, thought he was going to be the number one pick. Yep. Winds up going fourth. And when he goes to the podium, um, poses for his pictures, and then appears to stare down yeah. um, your location in, in, um, in the uh, Centre Belle. But um, did you feel like he was sending you some kind of a message? Um, no, no, I didn't. I, we spent a lot of time with Shane. I think he's a terrific kid. I uh, learned a lot about him and uh, we put him through, you know, the rigor and uh, asked him a lot of tough questions, you know, spent some time doing video, went to dinner with him. Um, we spent a lot of time and he's an impressive young kid. Um, you know, if he did, you know, I have no problem with it, um, but I never felt that way. I, I thought he was a, I thought he was a real good kid that, uh, you know, I saw the, I saw the video of it, but you know, sometimes, you know, they could, they could make it look at the way they want it. We never felt that way. We weren't at the table like, talking about Shane Wright just stared us down. <laughs> well, it is Montreal though. And you, yeah, you know, the stories come out of the concrete yeah. in Montreal. Yeah. I saw some, uh, it was, uh, somebody put out a picture, I think on Twitter, they showed me where, uh, they were showing his him allegedly stare us down, and the other pitcher next to it was Marty eating a bag of chips, saying Marty doesn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> and how about uh, just on that topic, uh, the reaction of that crowd on draft night uh, to Martin San Louis? That must have uh, that was something. Oh, he's he's incredible. Like he, he just has it. You know, some people when he walked on stage, I looked at Jeff Molson like he just has it. You know, when he walks out there, he's got that charisma. He's got that ability to to captivate the crowd, and and he's great. And uh, you know, it's nice when all the teams come up to you and say that how impressive that was, and and the night was, and, and starting off with Marty. So, uh, yeah, he's Marty's a special guy, and and uh, that's you know what you see is what you get, and and uh, he's a re- that's that's kind of how he is in the room, and that's why the players like him so much. How much did how well did you know him before you traded for him from Tampa? Um. You know, not that well. I, uh, you know, Louis Gross is uh, his agent, uh, become friendly with him for a while. We, we were talking about some things over the years. And I knew Marty's, you know, wife was from Connecticut. And, uh, you know, we knew that uh, possibly someday that he might want to end his career there. So we just kind of kept in touch. You know, he was, uh, he works out locally. And, and uh, so I didn't know him a lot. Obviously, I, you know, we watch him from afar and, and how he did things going back to UVM and his whole career. So, but, but, uh, but you guys lived in the same area and kids played hockey together. Yeah. Well, yes and no, they trained together. Uh, my oldest is a year older than his oldest. Um, so they never really played on the same team. Um but the uh, same same organization, you know, I'd see Marty or he'd, he'd be at a game and he'd see my son play or 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 do something poorly or well. And he'd text me saying something. So, you know, uh, we looked out for each other. He's, he lives close by. Yes. Did you ever imagine that he would work for you in the Ranger organization then? Was that something you had contemplated? Yeah, actually, when he was done playing, I, I went and met with him and asked him if he'd consider coaching, uh, if he wanted to be the head coach in uh, Hartford at the time. Um, and he thought about it and he came back to me and said, you know what, my kids, I owe it to my family to be around and coach and, and be part of their lives a little more. And, you know, that's what he did. So, so just curious, what, what changed, obviously kids get older, uh, but when you, can you walk through the approach to get him to coach in Montreal? This was, um, this was a huge surprise too. Another great yeah, secret you yeah. kept. Yeah, sure. I, I think it's more of a, per- a perfect storm. You know, Marty's from there. Um, I don't think that 
you know, he would have done this had it been certain other places. Um, I think the attraction of Montreal, his dad's there. Um, they're very close. Um, it's fairly close. You know, it's, it, it's a driving distance for his family to come up and they've come up a few times. Um, so, and I think Ken Hughes is a big part of it too. You know, they have a relationship, you know, they coached against each other. Their kids are the same age. They played at the U S program together, their kids. Um, they actually, you know, they go back a little bit too. So I think it's a little bit of a perfect storm for Marty. I think he liked, uh, obviously Montreal, the Montreal Canadians and, and what that meant to him and his, in his, uh, upbringing and to his dad. And I think the fact that he has a relationship with Kent and I helped. And you didn't think there was a risk, a rookie guy, big yeah. team, big name. I mean, yeah. man, this was you were you were treading on pretty uh, thin ice there, weren't you? Well, yes and no. I mean, if you know Marty, if you saw him on the stage, you know that's what I saw when he played for the Rangers. You know, he to me, he immediately walked in the room and and everybody gravitated towards him, and I could see that he was a coach while he was playing. I saw the way he spoke to the team. I just saw, I saw the way people rally around him. And, and uh, you know, as soon as Kent came on, we started talking about our team and we were floundering. And it was really just about changing, you know, everybody says culture, but it was really just trying to create a positive energy back in the room. So players were, you know, we could get the most out of them and start seeing them play well. So, uh, of course, there's a risk. Um, he was coaching, you know, Bantam or or peewee or midget, whatever he, he likes to say. But I, you know, I, I feel confident that whatever Marty did, he's going to be successful at. I'm guessing the, the timing of your arrival in Montreal was in some ways advantageous, given that it gave you the opportunity to observe and assess a situation with which you weren't intimately familiar. I mean, generically, I'm sure you knew what was going on. And as disappointing as a year uh, of a year as it was, um, it gave you time to assess. What did you see during that time? What did what was your initial reaction, and then how did things evolve over the the subsequent months? Yeah, I, I, it's a good question, Bob. I, I would say when I got there, it was uh, December first, and the team was floundering pretty good, and and they had been through so much. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they had you know there was a lot of COVID issues. There was tons of injuries with Carey and Shea. There was a lot going on. I just felt like the organization was in shock that they were where they were. Um, and they, you know, they were the bottom of the league and we from Stanley Cup finals. So there was just, there wasn't so much turmoil. It was shock. You walked around the first time I walked into that uh, training center, you could feel uh, there was just negativity there, that, that what had gone wrong. And, you know, Mark had just lost his job. So there was just... There was just a lot uh, to take in, and I just felt like, you know, to give Dom some time and see where we're at and, and try, start building relationships with the players, you could just feel that something had to change, something had to give, and, you know, that's why we made the move with Marty. And I feel like from that time on, Kent is obviously a big part of it. Uh, bringing those two guys in, I, I just feel like the, uh, the temperature changed. Everybody, the pressure came off. We're like, okay, this is a bad season. Now we're going forward. And I, I think that's what's happened. You can have bad teams can have, you know, this well, teams can be yeah. in, have a bad season and be in trouble where there really isn't much optimism and you kind of have to blow it up, I think, and, and kind of start from scratch, but you're really, I, I get the sense you you don't feel that way about this team. Do you? No, I, I feel like there's a lot of good players here, Bob. I think that, uh, 
you know, I think it's on us to, to bring in some more talent to surround it, uh, to figure out who's going to be here. But, you know, it's, it's a unique thing. There's a, a team with, with some real good character players that went to the Stanley Cup Finals and found itself in a perfect kind of storm uh, of, of, a, of a bad season, so to speak. So I think there's a lot of good pieces here. I don't think we have to completely tear this thing down, but we have to find more young talent, that's for sure. But the the Stanley Cup final, Jeff. Let's face it. In those that year, that was fool's gold. I mean, it was a strange year yeah. to begin with. Uh, and if I had told you as the playoffs started, by the way, Montreal is going to be in the Stanley Cup final, you would have told me I was crazy. Yeah. And and, and there's no way that that organization should have taken stock in. Well, we're the best team in Canada. Well, it just wasn't the case. Did, were you that blunt and honest with them when you interviewed with Jeff Wilson? Um, yeah, but I think Jeff had known that there was something that had to be done, obviously, right? So he, that's why he made the change. But yeah, uh, but at the same time, you know, I think that they showed, you know, with Carry on top of his game and with the type of character players, they, you know, they were able to beat teams that nobody thought they should. Right. At the end of the day, were they were they a, t- a top two team in in uh, in the NHL? No. But we're, are they the 32nd team in the league? No, there's some, we're somewhere in the middle of there. Um, you know, we're trying to figure that out. So um, obviously a bad season, you know, went wrong. But, you know, you start to look at the positives and we got the first pick overall and, and uh, you know, we're able to make some trades and, and uh, add some young players to it. So, uh, you know, I feel like we're, we're starting to turn the corner here. But, yeah, I, I certainly understand what you're saying, that uh, it wasn't like the uh, – Montreal was in a position like Tampa was at the same time. Yeah, you, you mentioned Carey Price. Um, do you have a thought on whether what's going to happen? Is he going to start the season with you? What, where, what do you think? Yeah, so you know we've told Carey to. He had a you know a small procedure about uh, it's going to be about six weeks to eight weeks ago. Um, we're still waiting to talk to him. He's going to come to town. You know, hopefully in, the, in within the next month and and meet with our doctors. So. We'll, we'll game plan from them. You know, we carries obviously a, a special player has meant a lot to, to Montreal, Montreal Canadians. So we'll go uh, slow with him and, and let him uh, tell us uh, what he wants to do next. Jeff Gordon, the um, executive vice president of the Montreal Canadians is uh, with us. Take a quick break and come back uh, with more after these messages. It's the Bob and Con podcast. Yours truly, John Shannon with uh, Jeff Gordon of the Montreal Canadians. The Montreal Canadiens, from my perspective, I assume from yours too, have generically had a certain style, um, a certain style of play. Uh, They rarely are the biggest team in the NHL. They often are among at least the fastest teams in the National Hockey League. What do you want out of the Montreal Canadiens? And what's, what's Jeff Gorton's style? Yeah, I, I think we want to be fast. I think kind of like the history of Montreal Canadiens, we want to be fast and skilled. Um, of course, I don't want to be pushed around, but, um, you know, a, a little blend. Um, I think we want to play on the attack. We want it, We want the puck, um, but we want to find skilled, smart players. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I like the history of the game too. I can see, you know, when I, when I think of the Montreal Canadiens, I, I can – I can see uh, Guy Lafleur coming down the wing, you know, hammering slap shots into the net. I, you know, I could see Steve Shot. I could see Jacques Lemaire. I, I see all those players. Uh, 
of course, I like to build a defense like they had in, in the in the 70s too. Sure. <laughs> but but difficult in the salary cap world to get those caliber players and hold on to them so long. But listen, we want to play with the puck. We want to be skilled. Um, I think you saw a little bit of the change. Once we, once we changed the coaches, we were playing with the puck a little more, a little faster. Um, so we want to be fast and hard to deal with every night. Do you feel pressure to um, not fill your roster, but make sure there are a sufficient number of uh, Quebec players, French Canadian players on the roster? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I, I think there's a definite, uh, there's a definite need to have, uh, some French speaking players uh, in the organization. Um, but I would say that not just to do it, to do it, but I can see that, listen, uh, there's two languages being spoken every day and uh, you know, there, the, there's media, there's lots of media to deal with it. Uh, even in Boston and, and uh, New York, I've, I haven't seen that much media before. So I, I can see the importance of it. Um, do I feel like uh we need to fill our roster in with French Canadians just to do it. No. So I would like to think that the, the ones that we have and the ones that we bring in will, will, uh, will be really good players. And well, you'd acknowledge it's the only team in the national hockey league that has this issue. There's not yeah. another team no. where no. geography or where you were born or what language you speak matters even a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. It's, uh, it's unique. Uh, you know, you know, we have a few now, David Savard, um, he's a really good player. You know, I, we just signed Sam Montembeau, our goalie. So, um, you know, I think we had three or four last year. So I, I think it's important to have that. Um, but I wouldn't say that we would do it just to do it. I, I, you, you mentioned that, uh, about the, the two languages in the media, when, when you're on the outside looking at Montreal, do you realize how impactful that is when you're in New York? I mean, you, 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 because know, New York, really, you're a, you're a small, you're a, you're a small fish in a big pond. Same, yeah. th- the Bruins, Bruins are equal. Bruins are 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 like the Celtics and the Patriots and uh, and the Red Sox. But in Montreal, this is this yeah. is this this is life, Jeff. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and did you? How overwhelming was it initially? Um, it was overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. You know, the first time I went there, uh, as as in the position that I'm in, uh, just to when I first got there, the the uh, you know, uh, I mean, I was per- I was accepted right away, but the the demands early, uh, media demands, the uh, the attention, um, just going to food shopping or going wherever you go and having people recognize you, and and in New York it, it happens, like you said, three out of ten maybe. But here it's everywhere you go. And, uh, you know, uh, it's definitely a lifestyle change. But, you know, I wouldn't have gone to Montreal if I didn't if I didn't understand. I, I feel like I understand it. Um, you never know till you live it. But I, I definitely understand how important hockey is to the Montreal fans, um, what the Montreal Canadians mean to the NHL. Um, and I wouldn't have done it if I if I if I didn't think I could do it. The um, the impact not just on you but on your family. You're you know you're married. You've got kids. How how does this? Are you going to move? Have you moved? Yeah. So I mean, we're a little bit spread out right now. I have a son that uh, an older son that's uh, 20 plays junior hockey in Western Canada, um, and then I have a son that's uh, junior in high school. So he's going to finish high school, um, and my wife is uh, going back and forth uh, with me. So I have a place in Montreal, and so we're kind of all over the place and. Uh, 
but eventually, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll all be in Montreal. Actually, if memory serves me, you, you really finally negotiated the final part of your deal when you were in Victoria, correct? That's true. Yeah, it was family weekend out there. And uh, so that was interesting, too. They, I was actually at the game and they came to me in Victoria and said, can we announce that you're going to Montreal? And I was like, <laughs> I'd be OK with it. My son will never speak to me again, so please don't do it. <laughs> well, and now, see, it, 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 that's the interesting one here. He's 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 living in the West and you're going to be in Montreal. So he's going to he's going to know more about you because he's going to be on Twitter following what the Canadians do. You're going to have to manage that. Oh yeah, he had uh, he had three kids from Montreal on his team. They, they were they were all over him right away. Got to get this guy, trade this guy, do that. So he, he got a little flavor too. <laughs> hey, um, so back to your first pick, Slavkovsky. Is it a given he's on the roster? Um, no, I would say no. I mean, listen, Owen Power. You know, he was first overall, and he went back to Michigan. I, I would say we'll do the best thing for him. I'd like to think that he would be. Uh, we'll give him every chance to, but you know, if he's not and he's not ready, you know, we're we're ready for that too. So the option, just the options. You have lots of options with him, don't don't you? Because he yeah. could go back to play pro in Europe. Yep. He could play for Laval. Good. Could he? And could he play in the CHL? Uh, he could. Yep. That's so curious. I, I find that we we were kind of talking about that before you you joined us. And I find that so interesting and curious that you could play pro hockey, and in uh, in another country, and uh, and then go to the Canadian Hockey League, which is an, an amateur institution. But the yeah. the reality is Laval would be would be the place for him, correct? Right. I mean, he's been playing with men, right? He's been playing pro hockey like Bob's yeah. did. So I would think that uh, to send him back to junior probably doesn't make a lot of sense right now. But you know, we'll see when he comes to camp and 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 what he's ready for. Uh, you know, he's, uh, we spent a lot of time with him. He's, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty mature. He kind of understands what he needs to improve on and, and, uh, we're going to help him. Are there any comparisons? Like, is there somebody that's out there that says, man, this, cause we know he's raw, Yeah. but the upside is just so, so, so big. Somebody, I mean, I, I threw out the name a couple of friends, a couple of times to friends of, of Yarmir Yager. Yeah, that'd be can nice. he can, can yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. is there somebody that that internally you guys talked about and said this guy could be a fill in the blank? Um, well, I'd hate to put a tag on him, but his style of play can be a little like uh, Rantanen in Colorado, a little like Hossa uh, yeah. was, right? Maybe not as uh, defensively uh, there yet, uh, but those kind of blends. I mean. Obviously, Yager, you know, if anytime you say Yager, you know, people would, would bat an eye. But he does have that style down low where he wants to draw people to him and, and make the contact and then feed off that and try to get to the net and either make a play or, 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 or score. So he does have that style. Um, but, you know, I think he's, he's pretty mature. He's uh, he never compared himself to anybody in our interview process. He just said, I, I'll be the best Uri I can be. So the, the, uh, and he's got cojones, doesn't he? I think so. I think so. You saw it uh, draft night. He uh, he kind of gets it right. He uh, he walked in on that red carpet. I heard he got a few boos, and I saw his comment uh, after he got drafted, saying, "Listen, those guys are passionate about hockey like I am. Hopefully, someday uh, they like me." So that's. Oh. I thought it was pretty mature. With Jeff Gordon of the uh, Montreal Canadiens, I 
I'm intrigued by by having the opportunity to talk to you about sitting there with the first pick in this draft. And I, I think you almost said it. If it's a Matthews, if it's a McDavid, you know who you're going to take. And while the phone calls may come in, you're probably not going to trade away a franchise player like that, a guy who has that kind of status. And with no disrespect to uh, Stavkovsky, he was not that necessarily that guy. And Shane Wright was certainly in the conversation and perhaps others. Can you tell us, did, you, did your phone ring a lot uh, to see whether you'd be interested in moving that pick? Yeah, I think early on after we, we won the lottery, people were just gauging what we are going to do. Um, but, you know, having it be in Montreal, the first pick overall, it would have taken a lot. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 yeah. we felt, you know, although, you know, people can say it's not Matthews McDavid, we do feel like Slavkosi has a chance to be a really good player. So, I, I, you know, the opportunity to get six foot four and, you know, 225, 230 already at 17, 18 uh, and put him in our lineup was is, is just too intriguing. So uh, I think when you talk about this year's draft and not having those guys like the McDavid's, I, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, that uh, this guy has come out of not nowhere, but he, he necessarily in before the season started, he wasn't rated in the top five. Right. So he's really coming on and starting to hit his stride. So that, that's what was intriguing and exciting to us as we well, go No question that the Olympic tournament really ch- changed his stock, didn't it? I think so. I mean, as an underage at the world junior, I think people took notice of him, how big he was and, and what kind of skill he had. Um, but I don't think anyone expected him to go, you know, to the Olympics and, and play with men and, and do what he did and be mm-hmm. the basically MVP of the tournament. Right. And, uh, and then back it up, you know, I was at the game against Canada with all NHL players and a lot of good players, you know, Matt Barzell and, and, and Dubar and a lot of good players were there. And uh, he, he fit right in and he was, you know, he was looking to make a, he's looking to show people um, that he wants it. And, uh, you know, I think, I feel like he grabbed it. You know, the, the other aspect of what you're doing with the organization is something that's happening around the NHL. There's the, it used to be just the general manager's job. And now it's a two man job. Um, how do you and Kent split up the, the duties and, and, when did was was he the only guy you ever had in mind for this job? No, no, I I didn't think he'd ever take it to be honest with you. Um, but I, you know, over the years we always talked about you know would he ever you know go to the other side, go to the the I guess his side was the dark side, so would he ever come to the the good side? Um, and I and I and I, I knew he had interest in in team building and doing that, and and uh, you know his passion's hockey more than. And negotiating deals, so um, so no, I, I talked. We talked to a lot of really good people, and and uh, you know, came down to two or three, and and at the end of the day, uh, I just felt like his his background was going to complement me and us going forward, and and I think it's worked out that way. Uh, we're completely different, you know. He's got a different, much more different personality than I do, and I think we complement each other that way. Um, so um, as far as you know. Uh, how it works on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, mostly I, I give him the, you know, the, the freedom of being a GM and calling around and, and talking to the GMs. There are some relationships that I have that uh, are pretty good and, and uh, you know, we'll use those and I'll talk to those those people, uh, those agents or, or GMs. So it's working pretty well. I, listen, we talk a hundred times a day and, and 
you know, we, we think the same way. It's just that we have two different personalities, which I think is good. You feel you have more to do um, before the season commence, commences? I mean, yes, I think we always can do more. Uh, you know, we'd like to add a few different things. Um, whether that happens, I don't know. I think uh, comfortable we have, you know, we have 15 or 16 forwards already. You know, we have we have some young players we want to look at too on defense up front. So, uh, you know, I'd be comfortable either way. Um, but, you know, we could do something, you know, in the next little while too. How, uh, how difficult was it to move Petrie? Um, it, it, it's hard, uh, because he's, he, he's played, he's been a really good player for Montreal for a while. He's mm-hmm. had a lot of success. Uh, he can do some things that's uh, hard to find. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he wanted to move, he wanted to move for, he made a family decision that he wanted to go. Um, and that, uh, you know, we, we told him we would try to do that. It took a while, uh, till we were comfortable with the deal. Um, so I feel good about, uh, Mike Matheson and what he's going to bring. Um, I think he can help us uh, as we move forward and a little younger. And, and uh, so he's from there. Uh, you know, he's been a Montreal Canadian fan his whole life. So that's helpful. But Petrie is a good player and a really good guy. And, uh, you know, but, you know, he wanted to move on. So we've, we, uh, we made that happen for him. The, 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 uh, you know, we, we, we've seen, and I don't, I, there's no diplomatic way to ask this question. We've seen guys, Americans, want to go home in this league. Mm-hmm. We saw Johnny Goudreau once he wanted to, he, you know, he wanted to go to the play in the United States. It's not a reflection on Calgary. Jeff with his family issues with vaccination issues. He wanted to leave Montreal. Uh, is, is that an issue you see cropping up uh, more and more? And you see it. How, how do you address that? Um, well, yeah, uh, there's, there's definitely an issue. There's definitely you know, you can see that where people want to go closer to home or or there's tax reasons. There's all kinds of different reasons why players go where they go. Uh, so, listen, I, I just think we have to create an environment where people want to come and play. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, with Kent, his background and Marty, uh, hopefully it's kind of turned to the point where people, you know, really want to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Um we have we have a lot to sell. We have there's a lot of reasons to come to Montreal, and uh, you know we're 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 going to try to turn this team into a, a place of a destination for people. And uh, you know I, there's always going to be that. There's always going to be. I was in New York, and there was always players that wanted to come to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was in Boston. We had people that wanted to come there. So I, I think that's you know that's what we have to do. We have to create that environment where you know listen. There's twenty twenty one thousand people here every night. Uh, if you love hockey, you want to play in front of a crowd that, uh, you know, we came in 32nd overall last year and the last game of the season, they got a standing O as they left. I don't think that's happening in too many places. So, And allegedly, because I don't want you to get in trouble with some tampering here, uh, there, yeah. is a, there is a player that wants to come play in Montreal. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's more than one, uh, <laughs> hopefully. But yeah, I, I the way I see it is that Montreal is a great place to play. You know, we have, it's a, like I said, it's a great city. It's a great organization. Our owner's incredible. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to come to Montreal. But you can't hide, and you've acknowledged that. That's the one <laughs> no. thing you cannot do in Montreal. No, no. I, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're we'll attract a certain kind of player that loves hockey, that, that wants that limelight, that wants to do it in front of that kind of crowd. But there's extra pressure you would acknowledge um, on, on so, you 
and everybody day in, day out, win, lose, or tie. Well, you can't tie anymore, but yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. but there's, there, there's, there's extra pressure there and you have to be the kind of person, be, forget your hockey skills. You have to be the kind of person who can deal with that. Yeah. There, no question. I think that, uh, you, you, uh, yeah, like you said, you can't hide. You're going to go to dinner. You're going to go wherever you're going to go. and people Whatever you're doing. And uh, they're going to let you know. And, uh, you know, I will say that uh, whatever it's been nine months, I've never had a conversation where anybody was negative towards me, right? Not in, not, not in front of me anyway. So. <laughs> well. so, actually, that brings up a really good point because, uh, and, and this, again, not to cast aspersions, but Montreal was always famous for being the, you know, the, the Pentagon. It was a tough place to get information out of. I mean, the, even the way the building was designed, where access was an issue. Um, but you were in an organization in New York that wrote a letter to fans to say, and we're blowing the whole thing up. Yeah, We're starting from scratch and we're going to be great again. And you have to be patient with us. How important for you then is transparency in Montreal? Well, I think it's important. Um I, I, I listen, like you said earlier in the, in the discussion, everybody kind of knows hockey there. So it's not really like we could bluff anybody what we're doing. Right. I think we have to be honest with what we're doing. And, uh, and I think fans always appreciate that in New York, I believe writing that letter and telling everybody what we were doing just bought us some time to, to do the right things and, and build our team the right way. And, and people got on board. And uh, it's the same in Montreal. You know, we made some trades at the deadline. I feel like the fans understand what we're doing, what we're trying to do. Um, you know, they see the first pick. They understand it. Um, they get behind it. Um, so I, it's like you said, there's a lot of pressure. But, you know, if you're, if you're in this business and if you're in with Montreal Canadiens, there's, you know, if you're winning, there's probably not going to be a better feeling. No. I, I remember texting you the night of the Lafleur ceremony. Uh, and saying it, it, what a great life lesson it is for your franchise and for the young players on your team to have witnessed that event because it really reflected on the fans uh, and what the what the game means to people in Montreal. Yeah, th that ceremony was was uh, unmatched. I've never seen anything like that. Um, like the fans, the uh, it, it, the outpouring, the everything from around the league. The calls you get saying that was amazing. Everybody was watching and captivated the whole league. Um, you know what, amazing guy, what an amazing player, and and you just you that's that's example a, exhibit A on on how much y'all feels about their star players and and uh, the importance they have. And then the ceremony, of course, uh, um, you know the passing of his life and and right. uh, the, the church and all that stuff. Uh, like incredible to see the amount of players, former players former Montreal Canadiens, um, just like it's, you'd be, if, if you didn't, you had goosebumps every, for, for, you know, 10 days in Montreal. Yeah. And I'm not sure that would, that would happen in any other city in the National Hockey League, including Toronto. Not I, like I, that, Bob. Not no, like that. I, I think that is, that signifies the uniqueness of the Montreal Canadiens and the city of Montreal and their, their, their love affair with the game and commitment to the game and the players. Yeah, yeah. It's hey, extraordinary. Uh, final question for me, Jeff, after you were uh, removed from the Rangers, you, you got into the media business for a little bit. You dipped yeah. your toe in that. Yeah. What, what'd you learn? Uh, well, how hard it is, you know, I, uh, you know, you have to be on all the time, right? Like here's <laughs> my job. I can hide a little bit and close the door. Uh, but on air, 
you know, there's a certain personality that works, right? And I, you know, you know, guys, I worked with uh, Kevin Weeks and some other guys that, that Michael Rupp and all those guys, they're, they're really good. They're good to the shop on their feet, you know, a bunch of grass for the draft. Amazing how talented he was. So just the tell how smart and uh, how quick people were on their feet uh, was really impressive to me. Uh, to see the other side was, was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I don't think I'd want to, I don't think anybody would want me to make a living at it. By the way, that's the real dark side. Okay. Yeah, not where Kent Hughes was. That's the real dark that's side. That's the real dark side. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I met some great people, and and I'm glad I did it. And uh, but I I do appreciate uh, uh, how hard it is. Well, in many ways, I mean, I know you've been there. Um, I don't know what it is, ten months, nine months, something like that. But um, in many ways, the job is just beginning uh, for you. And uh, we wish you uh, success. And um, and we, no, uh, we didn't even ask a Connor Bedard question. That's good. No, that's pretty good. <laughs> Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wish you uh, continued success and um, um, a long stay in uh, Montreal. Uh, good luck to you, and uh, have a great rest of the summer. Thanks a lot for taking time for us. Yep, thanks, guys. My, my pleasure. Jeff Gordon. We'll come back with more after these messages. Our thanks to Jeff Gordon for, uh, for joining us. The long-awaited yeah, it, it's, appearance. Uh, He's uh, he's got a great sense of humor. He, he's a uh, he's a funny guy when you can sit down and, and chirp. Uh, that's why I, th- I was interested to hear him say about his time in broadcasting. But uh, I guess his his uh, humor is a little too dry for television. So. Well, we're going to find out is about his sense of humor um, at some point because uh, you know he kind of I, I you know I don't mean this in a negative way, but he kind of got a free ride this year. The team was really bad, expected to be really bad, committed to be really bad, and he didn't have the pressure of the fan base or the media to change things overnight. But with each passing day, the pressure is going to get greater and greater and greater. They're being nice to him now, but 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 at some point he's going to have to win. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. Well, they're not. But whatever you think of Montreal fans, um, they don't have a tremendous amount of patience. They have a little bit right now, but you take, look at, let's be honest, an Anglophone, an American, and the Montreal Canadiens losing like crazy, finishing 32nd. That's not a scenario that Montreal hockey fans are likely to forget or forgive. But this was my point with, with Jeff, um, A, on transparency. Because that is that is the most knowledgeable fan base in the game by far. Most knowledgeable. I don't disagree with it. And so, I mean, I think I think that there are hundreds of thousands of fans in the province and across the country that would say we want them to be bad again. <laughs> we want Connor Bedard. We, we want it. We want another first round pick. Um, and and well, they may get their wish, but th- based but on what I've seen of that roster, I mean, yeah, you know, I know. I, I know that Jeff is trying, and I, but it's early days. Yeah. But they aren't going to be much better this year. I don't. I don't I, well, I, I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs when you consider how tough the East is getting. You know, look at all the free agents that are moving to the East. Look at look how tough the. I mean, Ottawa's a better team than Montreal now. Ottawa's a better team. They might be much uh, better. Um, so much is reliant on what happens, as Jeff talked about, in the next month to six weeks about what Carey Price is going to do if he plays at all. 
And so that's, that's one they're in no hurry right now at, to, to, to do anything with price. But, but this, this group of fans understands the plight of its team better than any other. And um, the timing of, his, of Gorton's arrival, you're right. He, he, he got a pass, but he can now build this with Kent Hughes, who's, a, by the way, is bilingual and, uh, you know, a, a Montrealer as well. And, and Marty Saint-Louis, um, they can build this properly. They don't they don't have to be. There's no pressure for them to be in the playoffs next year or the year after. Well, you say that, but I don't buy that. I don't. Oh, I yeah. mean, you talk no. about Montreal Canadian fans being intelligent, smart, aware, intelligent, of and passionate. On. Intelligent and passionate. Well, passionate. but passion takes over of a, from intelligence in the sports world every single day. I've experienced it my entire life. If you're a fan of something, you are unforgiving. You will forgive and understand for a very brief period of time. This thought that the Montreal Canadian fans are going to give him a free ride for an extended period because they're they know the game, absolutely the opposite, a hundred percent the opposite of that. No. And don't just sit there and say no because um, I just did. I know you do. I think it's a hundred percent the opposite. The pressure is on him more than in any other city to to pull a rabbit out of his hat, and he's going to have to do it sooner rather than later. I, I don't I don't envy him the task at hand. So far everybody's nice to him. Just wait. Just wait till he, you know, he's made a few moves now. What happens if this kid, the, the draft choice, doesn't play a game? What happens if the kid plays and stinks the joint out? You know, something is gonna happen that's gonna tweak these fans. And when they start to get on you, they're gonna be relentless. Actually, as you say that, the the thing that might uh bother uh, the fans in Montreal more than anything is if Shane Wright gets off to a great start in Seattle. <laughs> well, there's another one. There's another reason. That, yeah. Watch out. And especially after the look, which everybody seems to want to dismiss, but I, I, I well, believe it was deliberate. I, it was you know, right out of draft day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, he's Shane Wright's been put in a really good spot. Seattle's a great spot for him. So that to me is a, uh, a fascinating well, why do you scenario. Think it's, a, that's a great spot for him. Other because there'll be mind. no pressure. Because there'll well, be no pressure. That, yeah. And it's a, it's a, Seattle's got a, a good, passionate fan base. I think Ron Francis has, I, I have biases. I think Ron Francis is a smart guy. He's building his team properly. Uh, when you look at some of the young guys that they have put together in Seattle, Maddie Beneers um, included, along with, with Shane Wright, I think that uh, they're in, like Montreal, Bob, like Montreal, Seattle is going to take its time. And I think Montreal is going to take its time. Well, but and, Seattle's is still an expansion team and it's second going into its second season. The Montreal Canadiens are the most historic team in the National Hockey League. I think the two situations are dramatically different. Yeah, and I, I, and I, the Montreal Canadiens are it in Montreal. There is no yeah. who is who's who else. There's no second choice. Seattle, there's a baseball team, there's a football sure. team, there's even a soccer team. But I, but in the in the in the hockey universe, I mean, when you look at philosophy of how to build your hockey club, I think both teams are going through it through it the same way. They're going to build through the draft. Uh, they're going to tweak through with free agency. They, you know, they're going to trade when they need to trade. They're going to have to, you know, find a way to improve their defense. Um, they're going to have strong set- everything. 
yeah, they have to fix everything. <laughs> yeah, that's basically <laughs> thank, what it is. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> well, they don't even know if a goaltender is going to show up. Um, the, the Johnny Gaudreau departure was um, shocking to Calgary Flames fans. Yeah. The potentially imminent Matthew Kachuk departure is uh, it's like a nuclear weapon has just been unleashed on the city of Calgary. Can you imagine losing one way or the other two players of that ilk in the same summer? Um, I mean, it's staggering. I, 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 staggering. My memory says that it's never happened. And this on the heels of losing in a playoff series to your arch rival. Yeah. So it's not been a good, it's not been a good summer, unfortunately for, uh, for Brad for living in the flames. It's uh, now, um, you know, the flames, flames control Kachuk for one more year. Maybe they can get something for him. Maybe they can convince him to stay and sign the long-term deal and yeah, say, I mean, it's hey, all hey, possible, but Brady, Brady stayed in a small Canadian market for a long-term deal in Ottawa. Maybe Matthew can do that, but it's certainly pointing to Brad Treliving trying to get something for an asset that he's going to lose in a year, as opposed to the way he lost Goudreau this year to Columbus for nothing. That really is the issue, isn't it? Well, yeah, what a mess is what it is. Um, and Pierre-Luc Dubois has indicated a desire to get out of Winnipeg. Yeah, and, and I talked about this when the team went to Winnipeg Yeah, and got roundly criticized for it. But um, look, it's Winnipeg. It is... I got nothing against Winnipeg whatsoever, but it's colder than hell. And it's not a big market. It's not near anything else. You feel somewhat isolated when you're there. And it's hard to get players to, to want to stay. And when things start to go wrong, it compounds the situation. And so things have gone wrong there this year. Things have gone wrong. And that's. And I, and, and I actually think that what you said there about making ensuring that players stay and then, you know, trying to live through the issues. Because, I, you know, at the exit interviews at the end of the season, it was, there was a ton of messages from players one way or the other is that we've got to change our culture in the room. We've got to change the culture in the room. Um, veteran players, Paul Stasty, who's a free agent now, saying that. Kyle Connor saying that. Um, this is a team... Uh, that that has issues with at least two players in Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And, and I get a sense that uh, rather than wanting to be part of the remedy in, in Winnipeg, Dubois is now saying, I just, I want to go and be happy somewhere else. Well, we got to go, but, but I think there's also, um, we talked about this off air a, a little bit. When players exercise control over where they play, yeah. when one, when one does, Others say, oh, I'm committed contractually, but I may not be necessarily committed in any yeah. other way. I may be able to dictate where I want to go. And I think that's the culture we're starting to get into. And, we're, and, we're, and we have seen that in other sports long before we've seen it in hockey, Bob, which is fascinating. Yep. It's uh, prevalent in basketball for sure. We got to go. We'll uh, see you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching or listening. Goodbye, everybody.